Welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast. What does the word disruptive mean to you? It means going beyond the ordinary, going beyond the status quo. Not thinking in the conventional way, not just sort of following the herd. Disruptive means taking things up, you know? Disruptive entrepreneur is somebody who sees the problem and embraces the problem mm. with a new way. Shake up and awakening. Quality will take care of itself and you'll go from being disruptive but also profitable. When you use your reservoir of talent, when you love what you do, then you disrupt. Mix it up, change it up and dominate. And now, your host, eight times best-selling author and double world record holder, Rob Moore. Hello and welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur. No, you haven't gone mad. This isn't Rob Moore. This is Tom. You might have heard me a couple of times on the podcast in the past. I'm one of the producers of the Disruptive Entrepreneur for Rob. We had a few technical difficulties this week, so I'm stepping in to record the introduction for this week's interview. We have a very exciting and controversial guest for you this week. We're talking to the infamous John McAfee. He's the founder of a pioneering security software company, which you'll recognize if you've had a computer, well, ever. Since moving on from McAfee Inc. in the 90s, McAfee has never ceased to be an important and controversial figure, and not just in the world of tech. He even ran as a presidential candidate for the Libertarian Party in 2015. In recent years, McAfee has become increasingly known for his work and predictions on blockchain technology and cryptocurrencies. Becoming a rallying figure on Twitter with over 800,000 followers, his Coin of the Day series was a sensation at the end of 2017. In this interview of Rob, they discussed all of this as well as his personal challenges and the events and claims that have made him such a controversial and divisive figure. So please sit back and enjoy the Disrupt Entrepreneur, Rob Moore, interviewing John McAfee. So John, thank you very much for doing the interview today. Well, you're very welcome. Thank you for inviting me, sir. Hey, look, it's my pleasure. And um, I feel like you're known for a lot of things, uh, but what would you most like to be known for? Well, um, I think I would like to be known for the um, one of the main proponents of the new wave of cryptocurrency and blockchain applications. Uh, I think that technology is unlike anything that we have seen in my lifetime, uh, and it will be world-changing in profound ways. And so I would, I would be happy if my name were linked to that. Why do you think it's going to change the world? Well... What is, the, what is the blockchain? The blockchain is an immutable ledger, which can be applied to anything, anything at all in life. For example, let's look at history. What is history? History is a record of the conquerors as they wanted to describe things. When the Spanish went to Mexico and landed on the Yucatan Peninsula, they found hundreds of thousands of books written by the ancient um, uh, Mayans. They burned all but four um, so what, what was the record of the Mayan civilization? We have no clue. What if the blockchain had been available? I realized we did not have digital processing uh, 500 years ago or even you know, at any time. However, had that been available, history could not be changed. The consensus of everybody present would go, this happened, this happened, this happened, end of story. Uh, that's an extreme example. Uh, and I think that at some point the blockchain will be applied to history so that conquerors can no longer change the history that preceded them. The blockchain can be applied to the supply chain problem where you have goods moving between 30 or 40 different stations in the manufacturing and distribution process so open for fraud um, and misuse. Uh, It has been applied by companies like Walmart, um, you know, a very large company here in America uh, with great success. 
So the blockchain is something that gives us stability and the inability to lie. Uh, we, we can no longer fabricate, pretend. Now, that's going to be a, a, a shift on, on human society of, of the highest order. Cryptocurrency is giving us freedom and control over currencies that we choose to use for whatever purpose. Tell me that is not going to be a massive change to the international financial systems, banks and governments. So um, I must admit, I'm quite excited about the potential of, uh, you know, Bitcoin and other cryptos. I think some things that worry me are a lack of trust about their scalability, scalability or ubiquity, uh, and also the kind of the lack of liquidity and speed at which it transacts. Do you have any thoughts on that? These are temporary problems. Okay. Uh, already we have uh, um, platforms like EOS and others, which are much faster. Uh, they can handle near, nearly infinite transactions. And the problem we're having with liquidity is created artificially by the banks. Number one, you can't find a bank that will let you buy crypto with their credit cards anymore. Mm. And many banks are blocking accounts that transfer fiat currency into your account from a crypto exchange. Now, I think, number one, this is illegal. Uh, it's certainly unethical. And the public, as more of the public adopts crypto, the banks are going to be forced to do something. Now, if the banks don't do something, they're going to disappear. Because already people like Brock Pierce are designing banks that will accept credit cards, that will transfer fiat to your account without question and instantly. So these are temporary hurdles and, and just don't worry about them. This time next year, they will all be solved. Um, but what if, you know, the systems keep blocking the governments, the banks, whoever, and, um, you know, we just don't quite get it into the mainstream? Is that a pro Do you see that as a problem? No, because right now there are uh, distributed exchanges being built based on a, 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 a new concept called the atomic swap that cannot be closed down. They are not exchanges with an office. They have no server. They're not located in any country. You can't go and shut their electricity off or raid the offices. The exchange is distributed among millions of wallets all over the world. How do you stop this, sir? It cannot technically be done. See, governments are famous for creating laws and legislations that cannot possibly be um, enforced. Here in America, I just went to a restaurant yesterday, and there was a big sign on the wall in the restroom saying employees must wash hands uh, prior to um, uh, returning to service and so on. How do you enforce that? Please, God. I mean, there's no okay. legal way to enforce it, yet that is a state law. We have a law here in America in almost all states where you cannot smoke marijuana. You can't smoke weed. And yet you can't go anywhere where people are not smoking weed. This, these, these, these are laws that are stupid because they are applied to what people want to do with their own lives, which are harmless to other people. So you can't, there's nothing you can do to stop crypto. I'm sorry. There is no enforcement in the world that will fix this problem for governments. Sure. And, and so do you think we may come a time where we have, you know, multiple accepted currencies? Well, there is a time already. We have over 2,000 cryptos now, hmm. <clears throat> and many of them are used for special purposes. Reddit has its own and Steemit has its own. So and there's nothing wrong with that. 
Why not have multiple currencies? Mm. All we need are wallets capable of using and supporting all the currencies available so that we don't have to keep track in our heads what we have. We just let the wallets take care of this for us. And there's been quite a lot of media, hasn't there, around you know the security issues of cryptos and you know cryptos going missing, getting stolen, getting lost, whatever. And uh, you're probably the best man on the planet to talk about um, security. So how do we solve these security problems? Well, there really is only one way, and, and, and that's with the hard wallets that are offline. Um, because it's like anything else. A soft wallet is a software wallet uh, and can, in fact, be hacked. But this problem, sir, is not unique to crypto. It's unique to every, I mean, it, it, it it's evades every aspect of the Internet and our electronic life. How many people have had their bank accounts emptied, their identity stolen, uncountable? So this is the problem that's going to go across the entire um, electronic universe. With crypto, however, you have the advantage you do not have to have the bank having your information online on a server where it can be hacked. No, you drop it on a hard wallet and you store it under your pillow or bury it in the yard or keep it in your shoe, whatever you wish to do. That's the advantage of crypto, sir. Sure. And then um, I'll come back to talking about uh, blockchain cryptos because I think it's fascinating. Um, but in the wider um, world of security, what do you think our current state of security is? We have none. We have no security and we have no privacy because the major suppliers of smartphones, which are Google, well, not smartphones, but the major supplier of the operating systems, which is iOS and Google, um, specifically allow for access to every aspect of our life. Why? Because that's how they make their money. They sell to marketers where we are, what we're buying, who our friends are, who we're calling, uh, what our, our contacts lists are. Uh, they can turn on the microphone so that you can speak to them. They can turn on the video. Well, these facilities can be used by hackers as well. So hackers can get into this system and turn on the microphone, turn on the video, uh, monitor your keystrokes, find out where you are, what you're buying. So this is the problem, and it cannot be fixed until both Google and Apple sit down in front of a mirror, look at themselves, and see what horror they have inflicted on the world of privacy. We have none. Mm. Well, when the Cambridge Analytica scandal came out, it was quite um, amusing to me, not in a, a funny way, but in maybe an ironic way. A lot of people were, felt like now, when that scandal came out, it was like, oh, you know, now our data isn't safe or secure. And they didn't realize it, they've got everything already. Well, here's the crazy thing. You go onto a social media site and you input and, and display all of this data and you, and, uh, where, where you are, pictures of your friends, your house, your, your locations. What do you expect, for heaven's sake? Yeah. What boggled my mind was, good Lord, why is everybody surprised? Mm. This is insane. And um, where do you, if you could have like a slideometer, um, zero to 100, where are you in terms of how good and bad this is? Because I get lots of benefit from social media and online. Obviously, we can discuss this interview. Where are you at the moment in the world, John? Well, here's the issue. What is privacy worth to you? People say, well, if you have nothing to hide, you have nothing to fear. Well, well this slogan came out of Hitler's SS group. You nothing to hide, nothing to fear. This is utter nonsense. We all have, sir, something to hide. It's just from whom? Mm. Uh, have you never cheated on a spouse or a girlfriend or a boyfriend? 
Have you never cheated on your income tax? Have you never called into work and said, I'm sick today, but you're really playing golf on the golf course? Good Lord, we are people. We are imperfect creatures. To say we have nothing to hide is stupid. Mm. It's who do we have to hide from and for what aspect of our lives? So if everybody knew everything about everyone else, we would have chaos in the streets and neighbors would be shooting neighbors. These are the facts of life, my friend. Mm. What do you see as the solution to this? There can be only one, as I said. The, the world is in the hands of Google and, and to a certain extent of uh, Apple, but mostly Google. And until Google sits down and looks at itself and sees where it went awry. Someone said I'm in, in, in some sort of executive meeting, good Lord, we don't want to sell any things. What we want is to collect the information and sell the information. Mm. Well, okay, good enough. But there can't there be limits on the information we sell? Can you not invade my privacy by selling my information? The other side of that coin is, does it cost us anything to use Google? No, it does not. So we, we have to start from stage one, and we have to rebuild the system uh, into, a, into something reasonable, manageable, and acceptable. Now, I'm not sure we can do that. Mm. And maybe we have to look at a George Orwell world where every aspect of our lives is monitored seen and controlled. Mm. I sure hope not, but maybe that's coming. Sure, I can't imagine that Google are going to be that open-minded to changing the way they run their business. Well, it depends on how angry their customers become, do you yeah. not think? Yeah, for, for sure. I think um, you see that in history with leaders or big companies when, the, when people have had enough, they rebel, don't they? And then, and then they're often forced to change. And, and this will be a rebellion of the highest order if it comes to that, my friend. And, and is that something that you want to champion and be involved in? Absolutely not. I, no. do not, I do not like conflict. I do not like violence. I do not like force. Mm. I would like to see some reasonable, cooperative solution. Now, that happens very seldom in this world, as you and I are both aware. Mm. However, that's what I'm hoping for. Sure. Okay, so um, having been someone who's massive into security, would you say that's made you paranoid with what you've seen? Well, everyone calls me paranoid. You know, if you... If you wake up to the reality of your life, of course you're going to be paranoid. Mm. Knowing that when you wake up in the morning, you have no idea who's listening to you on your smartphone. You have no idea who's watching where you are, what you're doing, what you're buying. I mean, who would not be paranoid, my friend? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, something to think about for sure. I, I sort of like, I really sort of, I feel like this is a real paradox because I know a lot of these things that may be you know, do expose me to vulnerability like we've discussed, or to also give me benefit in my life. Google's really helped me and social media and internet's really helped me. And, and on the other hand, it's got leverage on me. It does. And it lets hackers get into your life, my friend. Mm. And how do we protect ourselves from that? <laughs> There's only one way, and that's to disconnect yourself from the internet, which none of us are going to do. Yeah. But again, as far as crypto is concerned, Crypto has the only solution, and that is a hard offline wallet. Put everything on that, and no one can get access to it. And if you have an air gap between your data and the computer, there's no way that an, ele an electron can jump that. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, because more and more popular nowadays is completely sort of cutting off from technology and people going on these retreats or, you know, just taking time away from the digital world. Do you think that's a good thing to do, even if it's just periodically? Absolutely. We're, we're kind of doing it now. <laughs> we're, we're at the beach. 
Um, and you know, I, I leave my phone in my bedroom for as much as an hour at a time, <laughs> which, which tells you how addicted I am. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we do need to. You go into restaurants and no one's communicating anymore. Everyone's on their smartphone looking at the smartphone. Do you see much discussion across the table about politics, life, religion, children, relationship? Not much, no. It's all happening online. Mm. That's a tragedy. It is alienating humans from humans. Sure. And um, what, what, other than a bit less time on our phones, what's the solution to that? Because it feels to me like... You know, if you think about Moore's law and you think about the speed at which technology is, you know, into our lives, it seems like we're only going one way. Well, I think it begins with the family. I really do. I think that families can impose on their children quiet times, no cell phones, yeah. no laptops, no pads, and force some sort of communication so that we don't lose the art of communing with one another. Yeah, it's that's another paradox because, you know, I've got, I've got two young kids and um, sometimes, you know, giving them an iPad is these, the plaster, you know, the quick fix, um, keep them quiet and happy. And then, of course, you do too much of that and uh, you've created a beast. Uh, yes, indeed. Mm. All right. So let's, um, let's change it up a bit. And I feel like having watched you from afar for a long time that, that you've been able to reinvent yourself, reinvent your business, reinvent your the ways that you make money and um, would you see that, that that's happened in your life? Is it something you've intentionally done? Like when you, when you sold out of, um, you know, your business and when you got into cryptos, just talk about reinvention. And if you have any thoughts on that. You know, I, I wouldn't call it reinventing. I would, I would call it simply moving with the times. Mm. The world changes around you, sir. Mm. Uh, and as the world changes, your role in that world changes. Many people refuse to adapt to a change in their environment. Well, not me, I like my environment. I, I love my species, people, humans. Yeah. And as humans evolve around me, I want to continue to commune with them. I want to continue to play a part. I want to continue to do whatever I can to help, to make this world a better place for my children and so for yours. Mm. So is that reinventing yourself? I don't think so. I think that's simply adapting to the changing circumstances of the world around you. Sure. Okay, so um, how then do you adapt? Because it, it sounds like it's a natural thing to you that you enjoy. I think a lot of people find it hard. I think that a lot of people get left behind, whether it's just staying in a job they don't enjoy or not embracing the, you know, the new world of blockchain and crypto. So how does one adapt when doesn't, one doesn't know how? Well, there is only one way, and that's through education. You must educate yourself, which is why people don't do it. Because especially as you get older, good Lord, I'm 72. It was, it was not an easy thing for me to learn the depth of crypto that I have learned. Mm. Yet I did it because I see it coming. I see this being the next big movement. Sure. This is the next great thing on the horizon, which will, which will change this world for the better or the worse, depending upon our input our meaning these people who understand have, have immersed themselves in it and can see what impact it may have on the future so people who are unwilling to take the time and the energy and it is hard i have to admit but that's what life is is it not mm. constant education even with the simplest things i mean you start out as a as a 20 year old and you fall in love and you're very naive about the realities of what that actually means. That the love that starts 
which is usually very physical, all right, hormonally based, will, will very soon dissipate and must be replaced by something deeper. Now, that's a learning process, is it not? Some yeah. people never bother to learn that because they keep looking for that initial rush of the hormonal surge and bounce from person to person and end up totally alone. So everything in life requires education. Mm. The larger things, those things which impact our professions, our duties, uh, our goals, those things are very difficult and, and take time and dedication. If you don't, if you don't want to dedicate yourself, then stay where you are. Sure. So, how do you continue to educate yourself? You know, do you? Is it you? I'm going to sort of go a bit random here, but you know, like I feel it where I am in the UK, our schooling system doesn't really. It doesn't teach us about managing money. It doesn't teach us about budgeting. It doesn't teach us about you know maybe some of these security issues of the real world. Yet, when I was at school, I was taught geography in French. We had to speak French, learning about geography, which is something I've never used in my life. Um, so how do you keep yourself really well-educated in a world where maybe the schooling system might not take us where we need to go? Are you sure you want me to get into this? Because I will anger all of your viewers. Oh, no, please. I want you to express your, how you feel. So I believe that formal education is dead. Because what is formal education, sir? It is having, let's say you're at university and you have a couple of dozen professors throughout, throughout your, your training each of them with finite minds that have taken in what they believe is, is the truth, what they believe is important, and what they happen to like. Now, if you're in a lecture and someone's going through Boulain algebra and you go, whoa, I want to see where that goes, but the college professor doesn't take that, that, uh, that fork. What do you do? You're stuck with whatever he gives you. If I'm on the internet, do you think I cannot learn everything I want to know about Boulain algebra? at the pace that I want, and at the distance and depth that I want. Sir, we can. Mm. Formal education is the most useless of all things today. It is a waste of time, a waste of money, and the people who come out the end are sheep. I'm sorry, sir, this is the truth. You take someone who goes onto Google and says, type, type in, what's your subject? Boolean algebra. Start at the top. Start reading. And you go, well, that's an interesting thing. If it's an interesting thing, there'll be a link. Click the link. You'll learn something else. And inside that, we go, oh, that's also an interesting thing. Click the link. Learn. Sure. Good Lord, it's all right there, sir. Mm. Well, um, hey, look, this is not a good or a bad statement, but I think what you've just said um, isn't as shocking um, or offensive to my viewers at all or my listeners. Um, my podcast is called The Disruptive Entrepreneur, and most of my listeners have made more inroads into the success in their life through self-education than they did through the school system. Of course. Uh, it's going to offend all of your PhDs out there. Mm. I myself have an honorary doctorate degree, which I've never attached to my name. But, sure. but you know, be, be that as it may, most people believe that a formal education is necessary for success in this world. And I'm saying right now, not only is it not necessary, it is an impediment because it wastes the time that you could have spent learning something deep. Sure. Um, I completely agree with you here, John. I, I, a lot of people I've interviewed and I know very well feel that um, the time that people, are, kids especially, are at school is way too long. Um, you know, we're, 
the measure of success in the school system is, can you repeat back to me what I've just told you? And if you can repeat back to me what I've just told you, which isn't applicable in the real world, then you get good grades. And then we have to do 10 or 15 years of that and get ourselves £100,000 in the UK in debt in the system before then we can get a £20,000 a year job. Yes, yes, absolutely. So please look at yourselves, look at the truth, make a radical decision, please, people. If you are in college or university, I advise you strongly, no matter what your field is, unless it's medical science and you need cadavers to carve on, okay? Sure. In which case, please stay where you are. Mm. But other than that, when you do not need complex, expensive instruments, then please, God, abandon your education and start on the internet. Sure. So, you know, like how do, how do the youth convince their parents that that's the right thing to do. Hey, look, quit school, start self-educating. That must be a hard thing for them. Well, sir, it's people like you that are required to convince them, is it not? Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm really speaking through your channel. Mm. You have the power, you have the pull uh, to actually try to change the parents. Because mm. you think the kids don't know this? Good Lord. The kids know everything. It's the parents that need the education, sir. Sure, um, and I hope I have many parents who listen. I had a 19-year-old chap come up to me yesterday after a speaking engagement, and he basically said, look, I wanna really pursue my dream of being a property investor. I've learned so much from your books and just started having a chat, and he said, but, you know, like I need to convince my dad, I wanna talk my dad round because, you know, like he doesn't know if I'm ready or I'm taking risks. And, you know, I feel a lot of responsibility when people are asking me for advice, but I basically just said to him, you've gotta follow your heart and you've gotta do what you think's right for you because it's your life and I'm sure your dad will support you, you know, whatever you choose. I, you know, like, I, I feel quite a lot of responsibility in giving that kind of opinion. Um, but I, you, I have, you have to believe very strongly in what you're saying. Mm. You have to have faith in yourself and your perceptions. And I think you do, sir. Thank you. Well, I mean, if you think about it, it's easier than ever, because obviously we've been talking a lot about the downside of security. But for free now, you can listen to pretty much any podcast on this subject. Uh, you know, we could go and watch lots of interviews with you on YouTube. We could probably follow you on Twitter. You've got a lot of followers there and you're giving out information there. So it's actually there's pretty low resistance, isn't there, to educating yourself? It is very low resistance. All you have to do is open your heart and your mind mm. and, and you will see the truth of it. And how do you filter the good education from the bad? Because someone might argue that in a fairly unregulated environment, because obviously the schooling system is pretty regulated, you know, there's probably quite a lot of noise and nonsense out there as well. So how do we filter what's good? How do we sift for the gold, if you like? Well, you know, I, I consider this entire process kind of like a, a cleansing of the human gene pool. Please, <laughs> sir. Those of us or those of you who are alert enough and want to learn badly enough are going to be able to find the fake news, the fake reports, the garbage with, with, with alacrity. Uh, this is not, you know, it's not rocket science for heaven's sake. Sure. Um, you know, when, when, when you read a report and you're doing biology and, and uh, you read about a giant grasshopper eating children in New Zealand, you might want to question that. Right? <laughs> why don't, no, why don't you go and, and try to, uh, to verify that through other sources. Mm. And you will very instantly find scam, fake news, da 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 da. Please, it just takes a little bit of work. Sure. Okay, so um, a lot of people have said that you are possibly the most interesting man in the universe. Uh, what would you say to that? Well, not in my shoes. <laughs> so, <laughs> how do you see you in. Shoes, yeah. You would find a fairly dull existence, sir. Really? You, you find yourself dull? Well, no, not dull. 
okay, I'm sitting here with my executive assistant. He can verify that I'm constantly working, constantly thinking, constantly trying to reason out what's going to be happening and how we can best get there. That's not exactly a fascinating life. Mm. That's interesting because I, I think that if you're looking to solve meaningful problems, which it sounds like you are, and if you're looking to you know, get um, self-responsible messages out to the world, that sounds like a great gift to the world. Well, they're probably looking at the fact that if I see something that needs to be spoken of, I will speak of it. Mm. Now, that tends to anger a lot of people, does it not? Mm. Do, you think this, you, do you think this podcast is not going to anger bankers and governments? Mm. When I say you will be unable technologically to, through force of law, through anything, to stop this movement? Do you think that does not anger people? And I will get responses that, that tend sometimes to be dramatic. Sure. Well, that's part and parcel of my existence, okay? I don't consider that interesting. I consider that an annoyance. Mm. Other people may consider it interesting. How does it... Yes, I have fights with governments, with, with everybody, with legislators, with, with the police even, mm. uh, because if something is wrong, and I think it's wrong, I'll talk about it. Mm. And loudly until someone listens. Sure. Uh, and the anger that you receive, and you know, let's use a more extreme word, the hate or whatever, um, how does that actually make you feel? I, I could care less what people think, sir. Mm. Really, this is the absolute truth. Sure. <laughs> because there are so many people stuck in the drudgery and dreariness of their own lives that the only chance they have to shine is to trash someone else. Mm. Well, those people have always been with us throughout history and always will be with us. I pay no attention to them, sir. Sure, um, because I think that a lot of people say that it takes courage to kind of talk about things that go against the masses, if you like, or against the systems. Um, I, th I think I know what your answer is going to be, but I don't want to project it out. So um, do you think it takes courage to stand up, to speak out, or is it just something you naturally do? I don't think courage has anything to do with it. I think it's commitment. Mm. Commitment to your children, commitment to other people's children, commitment to a better life for humanity, commitment to getting rid of oppressive power structures and slavery. We're still in slavery. You mm. think we're not? When you, you just said it, £100,000 for an education to get a £20,000 job, you're going to be in slavery for the rest of your life to the system that created the educational system. Mm. Good Lord, see how much we are slaves. I would like to see that answer. Sure. I would like to see each of us be absolutely free mm. to do as we wish without harming others. Mm. And I'd like just to make a quick statement here as well, because I think a lot of people feel like they're trapped and they feel like it's a massive risk to leave a job where they've invested maybe a decade of their life in, you know, more traditional education or got into debt or whatever. But um, you're an entrepreneur yourself, as am I. Um, how bad we think it will be if we start our own enterprise or just do something we love, it's never that bad. You know, if push comes to shove, we can all make a few grand here and there and survive. We could live with a friend for a while. If it didn't work out in a few years, we can always go back and get a job. Um, and, and I just I feel like if we let go of the fear and took a few more risks, the world would be a better place. More times than I can count. And I can tell you now, the fact that I get free meals in jail is no, no inducement for me to stay in jail. Sure. I'd much rather let me out and see if I can find my own freaking food. Yeah. Please. This is the reality of our lives. Mm. And what's your attitude to risk? Do you feel like you take risks in your life? Everybody takes risks in their lives. 
When you get out of bed in the morning, you take a risk, my friend. Mm. Life is full of risks. It has always been. I mean, this is a dog-eat-dog -dog planet. It is. Sure. If you doubt me, please turn on the Nature Channel. Yeah. Okay? See what the ants eat and see what eats the ants. See what lions eat and how that takes place. This is a dog-eat-dog -dog world. It is full of risk. If you let risk stop you from living, then you no longer live. Mm. I prefer to live. Sure. Okay, so I've got two more short uh, sections left. Before we do these, John, I just want to thank you again for taking the time out of your day to um, do this interview. So one of them is going to be a quick fire round towards the end. And another one is I actually um, have a crypto community. When I say I have one, I've got um, a part of our um, community that are all into cryptos. And I went in and told them that um, I was going to be interviewing you and they're very excited. And they've, they've sent me a few questions through. Um, I mean, are you okay if I just ask a few to you? Absolutely. Okay, great. So one of them is, do you think um, any of the cryptos will still be here in five or ten years? And if so, which ones? I think the, the vast majority of them will be here in five or ten years, other than, other than the, um, the coins that simply move and go nowhere. I believe in five to ten years we will have at least 1,000 different currencies that are viable and usable for specific purposes. I can guarantee that. Mm. Uh, crypto is not going away, and there's not going to be just one coin that, that can't work that way. Sure. Everybody has different needs for different functions. So, so no, there will be thousands, at mm. least a thousand, and they will be viable, and they will be with us for a long term. Okay, great. Um, what do you think of the current antivirus industry? Antivirus is dead and has been dead for over 10 years. I started speaking out against it 10 years ago. How do I know? I invented the paradigm. Mm. And I talk to businesses and industries constantly. Antivirus does not stop anything. It lets you know when someone's come in and stole everything. Say, Aha, somebody stole everything. It's too late, I'm sorry. Mm. A new paradigm is needed. Plus, most of the hacking these days is not done through technology, it's done through social engineering. You know, you want, to, you want to steal somebody's phone number? Easy. You keep calling their carrier until and see saying, oh, my God, I, I, my, my SIM card died. I need a new SIM card. Um, you know, my father's dying in the hospital. I've got to call him, whatever. You get turned down 20 times. You just keep calling. You'll get some nice old lady who'll say, oh, you poor dear. Well, do this. And suddenly your SIM card. It happened to me back in December. Sure. So this is what this is. How is antivirus going to stop that, sir? Mm. Yeah, hey, look, you know that you know that world way better than me, so I would not be um, so naive as to comment. But thank you. Okay, so do you see cryptos as an investment, as a speculation? Uh, you know, are, are you in it for capital return, or are you in it for the technology in the future? Well, I, I think we have too much, uh, too many people that are looking at it as an investment. Mm. By doing so, you are killing. The creativity. Let me give you an example. There was a coin that, that uh, I was very interested in. It was an ICO called Outings, O-U-T-I-N-G-S. Now, what Outings was, was an application. Let's say you want to take your family for an outing on a Sunday afternoon or a weekend. And what are you interested in? Well, maybe you happen to like street musicians. Well, there's street musicians in almost every major city, but how do you find them? Cities are large and the musicians move around. So let's say I'm walking along and I see a street musician, I key in, uh, street musician, um, and I give the location, but only through the app. The users don't get to see it. 
And so, uh, someone, uh, and, and I'll say, I'll, I'll tell you where it is for 10 outings now, which is not much. So someone else is going, I'd love to see street musicians. The app says, well, you have these that are just three or four blocks from you. Pick one. You pick one, pay the guy the 10 outings. He gives you the address. You walk the two blocks and you enjoy the street musician. I mean, if you think of how this, or let's say you're in, you're in, um, uh, in Hollywood or in, in Los Angeles and you're in a high-end bar and Tom Cruise is there. Okay, well, uh, some people would just like, like to be in a place where they can see uh, uh, celebrities. So you might sell that for 100 outings. Mm. I mean, what, what a change that would give for our world. But nothing ever happened because everybody's just invested in it and nobody used it. Sure. It's insane, sir. So are you saying you're more interested in the, the way that these new coins, cryptos, technology changes the world rather than, you know, yeah. pumping and yeah. dumping and money in, money out and that kind of stuff? Yes, because otherwise we're doing the same old thing we've always done as people, greedily collecting money. Mm. No, we have the possibility to take this new technology and change the world for a better place, mm. not a richer place, not more money, not more flow. No a better place with greater flexibility, greater possibilities, greater functionality. Sure. And it's not happened yet. It will. I promise you it will. Mm -hmm. But, you know, right now everybody's just trying to make a dime. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so I have another question which is around, you know, you using your social media channels to, I don't know, make build awareness or even promote uh, various coins. Um, is that something that you do? Do you get paid to do that? And um, have you just got any thoughts on that? Of course I get paid to do this. This is my job. Okay. Mm. <laughs> so, um, and, and it's a very valuable job. You know, we pick and choose very carefully what we want to promote. Mm. We audit everything through a, 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 um, an independent third-party auditor. Even that does not always work, but we do the best that we can. And, and what we do is we find absolute gems. I'll give you one, and I'm hoping to God that this is, and, and it is actually being put to use. It's called Docademic. Mm. Uh, it's where you uh, log on to an application and a doctor appears. Um, and they're not gonna you know, uh, perform surgery or anything, but they can ask, your, ask what your symptoms are, maybe ask to see the, the rash that you have on your arm or your hand or whatever and give you advice. What's even better is that same company, Docademic, that same ICO, that same coin is now coming out in June with a thing called Cool Emotions. Now these are psychologists that you, instead of pushing a button and getting a doctor, you push another button and you get a psychologist. Now just imagine all the, um, uh, the domestic disputes that happen, all of the people that are at their wit's end and ready to jump off of a building or a bridge, if they had the facility to press a button on their phone and a psychologist actually appears, then think about it. And this, is, this service is virtually free. Can you imagine how many lives will be saved? Mm. Can you imagine how many domestic disputes will be, uh, uh, you know, will come down to a more manageable level? Can you imagine how fewer police will have to go out and solve these problems? Uh, this to me is a, one of the most dramatic, life-changing uh, coins uh, that's been created. And people are starting to use this for what it was intended, thank God. Mm. And um, which I think is great. On, on the flip side, do you think that there are just a lot of maybe um, 
fly-by-nights or just, you know, various different, what you might, you know, cheap, just trying to come in and make a bit of fast cash in this sort of very crazy new industry? Yeah, I would say that 80% fall in that category. Yeah. This is why we have to use our good judgment and a common sensor. Mm. Which I guess is the same in any new industry or market. Is it, is it not? Mm. Is it not? Mm. I mean, it, this was the same thing, like, I don't know how much you know about the Wild West mm. here in America in the 1800s, where people would come by with selling snake oil that will cure baldness and cancer. I mean, please, you know, they didn't sell to everyone. Most of the people said, ah, move on to another town. So we have to be responsible for our lives, mm. responsible for our choices and decisions. Uh, and few people want to do that. We want the government to protect us or someone to protect us. We want the police to protect us. Let me ask you something. If someone bursts into your home, holds a knife to your throat, what magic button do you push to make the police magically appear between you and your attacker? Mm. There is not. You can't be protected by anybody except yourself. Mm. You're responsible for protecting you and the ones you love, sir. Okay. Thank you. So, uh, what did you think about the Netflix documentary that was done on you? You know, I haven't seen it. I haven't had the time. Uh, I hear it's hysterical. Mm -hmm. uh, come, by, by the way, we have, we have on, on my YouTube channel every single member of that uh, that was uh, uh, interviewed saying the same thing. None of it was true. They were paid by Netflix, or actually by Showtime, the original doc, paid by Showtime to say the things that they said. It's a poor country. Mm. People were paid as much as $20,000, two lifetimes salary. Well, I don't blame them. I would have said whatever they asked me to say. Sure. Okay, so um, what has being in business for so long taught you? You know, what, what um, things have you picked up along the way that you found useful to learn? Don't trust anyone except yourself. Uh, people, if they have an opening to, to have a, a, a gain or an advantage, will take that. This is just natural. Um, and again, just like with the rest of life, be careful. Uh, learn business practices, techniques, uh, understand the art of negotiating, and understand that in the end, business really is a war. Uh, if someone is in the same field as you, they're your competitor. Mm. They're basically your enemy. You're not going out and, and, and selling things. You know, when I was at McAfee, I, I didn't take half my income and give it to Norton. <laughs> no, we, <laughs> we fought for every, every station. And this is the truth of business. If you, if you can't accept that entering business is entering war, then don't do it. Mm. Okay, thank you. So now we'll just move into a few quick-fire questions. But hey, if you want to not answer them quickly, that's also fine. Um, do you have any recollection of the best or really good advice you've ever been given? Uh, yes, absolutely. Do what you love, you can never fail. Okay, thank you. And then do you have any recollection of the worst or terrible advice you've ever been given? Uh, yeah, invest in bonds. <laughs> okay, and then um, what, th what do you think is wrong in the world um, that you really would like to change? And maybe aside from what we've discussed so far, if there's anything. I think the only thing wrong is people not accepting the truth of themselves and of others because you can't change that truth. Sure, and what is that truth? That we are a mixed bag. Mm. We, are, we love and yet we hate. We're gracious and generous and yet we are greedy. We are happy, and yet we are jealous. We are a mixed bag. Mm. If you can't accept that, then you will never know who you are, and you will never succeed. Mm. 
And how do we dance with that paradox? Because I agree with you. I think everything has an upside and a downside if you look hard enough. Um, how do we dance and get by with that paradox of opposing forces? You, you embrace those that you think are negative because, in fact, none are. Mm. Let's look at anger. Let's say a child is putting his hand in a hot stove and he's saying, no, Timmy, don't do that. And Timmy keeps doing it. The anger in your voice when you finally let go is going to make a very long-term impact on that child. And maybe we'll no longer put his hand in the stove. Every single energy and emotion that we have has value if you embrace it and understand its purpose, sir. Okay. Thank you very much. Uh, this podcast is called The Disruptive Entrepreneur. What does the word disruptive mean to you? Well, I think we're, we're, we're in the middle of a disruption right now. Disruptive means to take the status quo and to exchange it for something better. Mm. Now, in exchanging it, it's like, it's, let's say you have a, a ramshackle old building on a lot and you want to put a nice new house on it. What's the first thing you do? You tear down the business. You tear down the building that's there. Mm. And in order to disrupt anything, some part of that thing must be destroyed. That is the resistance to um, disruptive uh, technology and disruptive advancement. Sure. Okay, thank you. So um, penultimate then, sometimes I think like things are changing quicker than ever, you know, with the, the speed of connectedness that we're in. But then sometimes I think maybe it's always been that way. Maybe the, the only constant is change. Do you have any thoughts on that? Of course the only constant is change. You, even ourselves. You wake up in the morning, you're a different person every morning. You are changed by what happened the day before. The weather changes. The, uh, the, the earth revolves around the sun and spins. And winter changes to summer and summer changes to, to fall. Life is nothing but change. Mm. Our children are born and instantly begin to change by gaining pounds and, and size. And then they start to walk. Uh, and then they start to talk, unfortunately. <laughs> and then they start to tear down the curtains. Um, this constant change. Life is nothing but change, and, and change itself can never stop. Mm. But I would like to say that in that change, in this constant change, there is something that is never changing, and that is the consciousness and the awareness that all of us have of the change around us. Mm. How did you feel when you sold out of your antivirus company? Did you... Did you um, I've got good friends who sold companies for big money, uh, and then it kind of really felt remorseful. How did you feel when you sold? Boy, I felt, I felt like the world had been removed from my shoulders. I felt a freedom that I had not felt in years. Mm. The company, here's the, here's the, here was my problem. When, when I first started the company, I was involved in the technology. I was doing exactly what I loved. As the company grew and we had thousands of employees and we went public and I had stockholders, I spent all of my time in board meetings of talking to stockholders, dealing with hiring. I never got to do anything I loved anymore. And so I go, this is no longer fun. Uh, I hired uh, a senior vice president from IBM to replace me. I stayed with him for a few months. I thought, you know what, you're gonna do fine. I'm leaving, and I just left. And uh, how do you feel about the other startups that you've tried, some succeeded, some failed? I haven't been many failures. Um, uh, they, they, they've all been, you know, fairly successful. Mm. And um, the same thing. I mean, it, it, you know, I, when it no longer is something that I love, I stop doing it. Sure. 
Okay, so where can we follow you? Where would you most like to direct us in terms of your profiles? Follow me on Twitter. I can barely keep up with that as my main social media, and I think Twitter is, is probably one of the most powerful. Sure. Uh, I am at Official McAfee. Okay. John, I just want to say a big thank you for taking the time to do this. I'm very grateful. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Well, I, I hope uh, you have me on again sometime if, you're, if your uh, followers will allow it. I'd love to. Thank you, John. All right. Bye-bye.